welcome to Rugged Theology, where we talk church planting, theology, and drink coffee. Welcome to Rugged Theology. You're a little late there. Yeah. You're in Labrador time. Whoa. Half hour behind us. <laughs> Welcome to Rugged Theology. I am your host, Adam Diamond. So we've kind of done like a mini series on the values of Send Network after we got back from our orientation. Um, we've done family multiplication. Now we're doing restoration. Mm. Um yeah, so I mean, that's, that's what the episode is going to be about, is the restoration. So today I have with me Mr. Matt Leahy. Hey, everyone. My brother from another mother. Not wow. really weird. <laughs> that's how rumors was, start. That was very weird. <laughs> Don't ever say that again. And David Drover. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Are we, we going to have a fight after this? Uh, I expect no. flowers on my desk tomorrow morning. Okay. I can leave. Cut this out. <laughs> well, I'm not cutting this out. <laughs> cut you out um all right so guys um to get started so we had a really good time at the send network orientation just want to reiterate that they treated me and matt and uh, the other planters fantastic um they really poured into us the sessions i mean honestly going into it me and matt were a bit like what are we going to get out of this mm, right i mean it's on family we've been taught lots on family multiplication you know being a church that makes churches that makes churches that plants churches or whatever and and then restoration, yeah. I mean, we want to be restored in the gospel, but what does that look like? Wow. Which is what we're gonna, <laughs> which is what we're gonna get into further. Um, but what we got down there was actually pretty good stuff. It was, yeah. It was pretty engaging. I mean, I, I was sat on the edge of my seat because you know there's a lot of concepts that you know as church planners you maybe subconsciously think about mm -hmm. and you you do and you you know the rhythms of church planning, but then to actually have it taught to you. Uh, and spoken to you and it's it was just oh, it was just good it was just a good reminder of, of what we're already doing and what we have to do and all that kind of good stuff it, it, was, it was challenging too um so we got dave here because dave has been involved with kilbride right from the start um and i kind of have been too i, I joined well, a couple months after you guys officially started planting yep, kilbride um yeah so let's get let's get into this and talk about what restoration is in light of the gospel and light of what scripture says and what that looks like in our communities so guys, can you help me break down, like, first of all, what is restoration? Well, if we go to Google, which I typically like to, for all, all those listening, if you don't have a good vocabulary, then don't feel bad because my vocabulary is really terrible. Um, so I often Google words to figure out what they mean. So restore from a just a Google dictionary sense is to return to something or something or someone, sorry, to a former condition, place, or position. So to return something to a former condition, place, or position. So that's what restoration is. So now what do we do with that in light of scripture? Is this a scriptural you know, idea? Or is this a man-made thing? No, it's definitely a, a scriptural. It has biblical roots, has biblical foundation. Um, when you look at, I mean, the idea of restoration goes right back to Genesis 3. It goes right back to Genesis 3. So, you know, when you read Genesis 1 and 2, you see God creating. Uh, he creates everything in six days. He rests on the seventh, and he creates this garden paradise. He creates humans. He puts humans in the, in, in the garden to, to work it and to cultivate it. Uh, and it, it's, this, it's this perfect environment where man is in perfect communion with, with his creator, uh, with God. Uh, and then Genesis 3, sin enters the world, and the relationship is broken. 
Uh, you know, life is broken. Sin has permeated through every aspect of, of our being, of our bodies, of our relationships, of our interactions with people. And mm-hmm. more importantly, sin has wrecked and ruined the relationship that we have with God. And so when you when you continue on in Genesis three, you know around Genesis three verse fifteen, you see God uh, basically saying, "I'm I'm I'm gonna restore this. <laughs> uh, you're not gonna be able to restore this, but I'm gonna take the active approach and I'm going to restore what humanity ruined." And so when we talk about restoration, we 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 do see a biblical foundation going right back to the beginning of of human history. All right, so yeah, you brought in Genesis 3, and we see the curse there, not just on man and woman, but God also puts a curse on creation, on the earth, and you know, farming it, and growing goods and fruits and vegetables and whatever from it. Uh, verse 17, it says, And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Curse is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Mm -hmm. So from that we see, like, you know, obviously if this is a curse, and this wasn't the case beforehand, right? It wouldn't have been hard work to grow something from the ground. You wouldn't have gotten these weeds or thorns and thistles. You wouldn't have to, like, de-weed your garden or whatever. So there is an act of God bringing restoration to the curse, to, to the cursed world and creation that sin has, you know, brought on us. I think, too, kind of going off of this general, because, I mean, right now we're, we're kind of dealing with a general theme of restoration mm-hmm. as where we see it starting in the Bible, and I'm sure we'll get to some specific, you know, passages where it kind of talks a little bit about restoration, but... I think it's, you know, just, just to highlight what you guys are kind of saying and even bring it back again to, to Genesis 1, because, again, what we're being restored to, like, we talk, you guys mentioned Genesis 3 in the fall and how that's affected everything, but ultimately, again, restoring, is, restoring something is bringing or returning something back to a former. And if we remember what we see in Genesis 1 and creation is that, um, you know, God created us as, you know, we, we didn't always have sin. Um, you know, Adam and Eve weren't created with that. They, they did that in Genesis 3. And so, and even with the world, like you said, the curse, it, sin had effects on the entire world and, mm-hmm. and the whole scope of it. So there's this idea that God is then going to restore things back to, to perfection, back to goodness, back to... And I mean, when you think about it, I mean, who wouldn't want that? I mean, this is a bit of a, I guess, a sideways, but in our world today, it, I think everybody would look around and say there's wrong in the world. Who would not want to restore, you know, get rid of all of evil and restore everything back to goodness? Who would not want to see things like poverty and um, hatred and all these things just go away and be and be defeated, right? There's this idea of like restoring. So, and I'm, I'm sure we'll get more into this too, but like the how God is going to restore all this is, mm-hmm. is through Christ. Yep. Um, and that's even seen, I think it's Genesis 3.15, you know, that, that starts right there from right there from onwards. And then you see that narrative you know, there's somebody who's coming who's going to fix mm-hmm. all this. Yep. Um, I mean, before before God even curses the woman or the man or the earth, he gives us hope at the end of when he curses a serpent, right? 3.15, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Yep. 
right? So that's refer that's that promise of hope right from the beginning before he even curses them, saying like, "I will make this right." Mm-hmm. Right, and that's that's looking forward to Christ when Satan thought he had victory over Christ on the cross, mm-hmm. um, but then Christ was ultimately victorious through his death and resurrection, and utterly crushed and defeated Satan. So, guys, with that said, um, let's look at a few. I got a few verses here that uh, they use at the orientation for restoration, um, and I think it gives us a really good idea of what restoration looks like in the Bible. So Psalm 51, 12 says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. So restore to me the joy of your salvation. Psalm 80, verse 3, Restore us, O God. Let your face shine that we may be saved. Psalm 85, 4, Restore us again, O, o God of our salvation, and put away your indignation towards us. Psalm 125, verse 4, Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Lamentations 5.21, Restore us to yourself, O Lord. So there's we know through Scripture there, there are periods, obviously, when the nation of Israel falls away from worshiping the one true God. Mm-hmm. Um, they worship other idols. They do other practices. They do what God explicitly tells them not to do. And then, then they're called to... You know, a time of repentance, God, you know, judges them, they repent. So there's a cycle going on throughout Scripture. Um, but this brings us to a point where God is still in that process of restoration. Right. And I, I think, like, so I just want to make a quick note on on the Psalms. One of the, uh, if, you, if you ever get a chance to check out um, uh, on our social media, we, we have uh, a Wednesday praying through the Psalms mm-hmm. uh, video, vlog, vodka. Cast. I don't know what they're called. Video, whatever. Come vlog. Vlog. There you go. Uh, and so we've been we're up to Psalm forty three now. Uh, forty four will come out this 44? week. That's right. That's what I'm doing. That's right. Um, and, and one of the things about the Psalms that I, I, I really like is that we get to see this real raw uh, humility and openness and brutal honesty about the struggles that people are are experiencing and going through in the day to day. And so, Adam, as you're reading out those Psalms, I I was reminded that. The guy who wrote that, or the group who wrote that, were struggling with something, mm-hmm. and they were pleading with God, "Restore me," because they understood His goodness, His faithfulness to do such a thing. And and as you were as you're reading that, my mind couldn't help but go to Psalm 23: "The Lord is my shepherd; He restores my soul." Mm. Right? The psalmist knew that regardless of whatever he was encountering in life, that his good shepherd was before him, mm-hmm. leading him regardless if it was a mountain high or the valley of the shadow of death, regardless of whatever anxiety, whatever turmoil, whatever difficulty, whatever problem had risen up in his life, whatever his thoughts were chirping him with, whatever physical abuse he was encountering, that the Lord was good to restore his soul, to restore him, to bring him back into right relationship, to bring him back to the pro- to the right paths, to lead him to you know, green pastures and, and besides still waters. Mm-hmm. Because this is who God is. He is a God who restores. I mean, throughout Scripture, we have people turning from God, turning back to Him, but God is the one seeking, right? He's the one that called right. the nation of Israel. He's the one that continues to pursue Israel. Mm-hmm. And then when Jesus enters the scene, you know, He pursues those who have been called, who have been given to Him, yep. right? To, my sheep know my voice. Right. Um, so it's it's God in the active here, and He's in... He's seeking us out to correct 
what essentially we brought on ourselves, right? Yeah. We screwed this up. God is not indebted to us. That's right. He does not have to do this, especially when uh, time and time again we fail and we fail and we fail. Um, one of my favorite songs actually by a uh, Christian metal band, Demon Hunter, is uh, I Will Fail You. And But it, it's a very kind of depressing song, but it basically goes like, I guarantee, basically, I will fail you again and again and again. But um, I don't know why he wrote it, but it just reminds me so much of the fact that I go to God and God has forgiven me mm-hmm. knowing that I'm going to fail yep. and I'm going to fail and I'm going to fail. But he's there every step of the way and I can turn to him every step of the way. And that's kind of what Paul gets at when he's writing at the beginning of Romans. He's like, you know what? You've all fallen short, but there's no sin that you can commit. You can't outsin God's grace. You can't outsin His forgiveness. Romans five, right? That's right. Like you know, you know, although sin was greater, grace was greater all the more. Grace abounds, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love to, Adam, kind of what, what this kind of sparked as you were speaking. Then just about how like you you can, the reason you can always go back is because. Because God has not only well, I mean, there's there's multiple reasons, right? But but part of that is also the fact that God has restored. And Matt, I think you alluded to this as well. He's restored that relationship that you have with Him, right? Because through Christ, God is now your Father. He is your Shepherd. He is the one who leads you. Even in Psalm 23, as you read that verse, you know, He He leads me beside still waters. Well, what does that look like? He He restores my soul. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and that's part of the reason. I mean, I love the. I'm not a a father you you guys both are but that relationship that that you have as a father with your kids i'm sure you guys could attest to the fact that your kids can always come to you and you're always going to love on them you don't want your kids to be hiding from you even when they fail yep. um and because god has restored us to that right relationship again we can have that really like that that's part of how this works right so mm-hmm. just kind of emphasizing that that you know the restoration of our relationship with god and how that how he is our father and that that means that we can run to him that it is safe that um you know all those great truths that you were just talking about you know we don't need to be afraid of god or um afraid in a negative way you know the bible does talk about fear of the lord but that could be a separate podcast um but in a negative way so yeah yeah so i mean and we go through scripture we see god you know corrects and consummates creation he restores the right order and ultimately makes it better because then we spend eternity with him Right after knowing what it means to um, be fallen and be redeemed and being restored and made right in His image again in the right, right relationship with God, and the gospel is a beautiful story. Um, but obviously, you know, when Jesus comes on the scene, we see an actual act of you know more restoration, like that personal aspect of it. It's no longer just you know God up in the heavens or whatever you're praying to God. Why is this happening? But you have a you have God in the flesh coming alongside people, showing them, like, you know, it's not about, you know, not washing your hands before you eat because what comes out of your heart defiles you, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's a heart issue. that there, there's, there's more things here. It's not just the law of, you know, man, you know, on top of the law of Moses. Like, it's it's about your heart. Like, where where's your heart to? Is it focused on God? Is it focused on yourself? Um, and he starts to correct people and correct people's views. And so restoration is found throughout the Bible. And, you know, it's really fascinating to think about that. Uh, you know, one of the, when Pastor Steve preaches uh, on Sundays, he's going through the Gospel of John. Conversations with Christ is what his series is called. And, and as you read through John, you see Jesus having these conversations with people over and over and over and over and over again. There's large swaths of scripture where he's just conversing with people. 
I'm going through the Gospel of Luke uh, on my personal devotions, and one of the things, Luke, Luke is a fantastic gospel, but one of the things that I, I've just realized is the relational element and the restoral element of Christ in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, you see Jesus restoring the blind man. You see Jesus restoring the woman who was bleeding for 12 years. You see Jesus restoring and resurrecting uh, the, um, the son who had, who had died uh, and, and he was on in the, the funeral procession getting ready to be buried. You see Jesus restoring the garrison demoniac. You see Jesus restoring this person and that person and that person. And, and this is this is who God is. This is who Christ is. Mm-hmm. He's about restoral. He's about showing you what the kingdom of God looks like. It's it's nothing like what you see here on, on earth. Now, just as a bit of a side note, this is what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that uh, if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, if you've committed to to following and put your faith in him now you're going to start seeing people raising from the dead now you're going to start seeing miraculous healings of people now you that's not what i'm saying is it is it is in the realm of god to do so yeah absolutely but I, that's what i don't want you to hear and so but what i do want you to hear is that christ does restore you see the power of the gospel in restoring marriages you see the power of the gospel in restoring uh, relationships. You see restoring, and just even me personally, when I came to Saving Faith, uh, I, I used to have a mouth like a trucker. It was no problem for me to be dropping F-bombs all over the place. And when I came to Christ, he restored uh, my ability to, to use my words to glorify him. Mm-hmm. So literally overnight, I stopped cursing and swearing. So I mean, that, that's an example of what you know restoration could look like uh, for those who have put their faith in Christ Jesus. Yeah, so let's talk a little more uh, about what restoration looks like. You know, we could, I think we've done a good way of proving that it's biblical, that God is about restoring and bringing things into right relationship with him and, um, you know, back to the way humanity, will say, was intended to be. Uh, but uh, what does restoration look like in ministry, especially church planting, going into our communities? Um, people kind of buck up at the fact, like, what do you mean I need saving? What do you mean something about me needs to change, Right. Um, but this goes, this applies to everyone, right? There's not one person that doesn't come to Jesus that doesn't need saving. And there's not one person that doesn't stand before Jesus without their own sin, without, you know, having need to be changed in some way. We've all, we, we're all conformed to Christ when we come to him. We're all made more into his image. We all start to, um, after, you know, if you confess true faith and you start to have these, these fruits of the spirit grow in your life as a result of the spirit's work in your life. Right? There's not one of us that hasn't come to Christ that hasn't been changed thereafter. So what does this look like for us as you know, planters and interns and teams going into these communities and neighborhoods? Um, yeah, I just want to jump on that too and, and even clarify maybe a little bit as well. Um, I, I think what you said was really great, Adam. But I mean, as well with this But not whole... great enough. <laughs> well, no, I just, <laughs> I've added on. Um, trade of thought. Here we go. So when it comes to coming to Christ and this idea of change and what that looks like, I, I think I, I just want to be really, really clear that Christianity, becoming a Christian, th- there's no element to the gospel where you need to clean yourself up or change in order to come, mm-hmm. right? So we, I mean, the, the, the hymn says it brilliantly, you know, I, I come just as I am. You know, there's no, like, I need to stop smoking or I, I mean, these are just ones that we so typically mess up in Christian circles, right? Like I need to stop playing cards. I need to 
you know, stop drinking and smoking in order to come to Christ or like, I'm not fit to come if, if I, you know, swear or have a trucker's mouth. Like, that's not the gospel. It's not, it's not change, then come. It's, it's come. And then what you'll changed. experience once you come and, and experience Christ and know him and have that relationship restored, mm-hmm. then things will start to change. But also, I mean, I mean, here's, here's the other thing that's, that's really important, I think, to highlight with all this stuff is often our hearts are attracted to our sin. You know, if you talk to a drug addict, they, they like the high, they like the drugs, they like, but, but the thing is, is when you come to Christ, that, that's the state of all of us. We, we are addicted to our sin. We are slaves to our sin. That's a biblical thing. That's where our hearts are at. We like it. We love it. We, we run to it. But when we come to Christ, there is a heart change. And we start to desire different things. We start to desire good things. We start to love Christ. We start to, um, and, and because of his love for us, love one another. And there's a, there's a shift in how we think and how we feel. And it's not on everything necessarily right away. Like this can, this is a long journey. This is, we, we live it every day. Um, pastors, normal people, Christians, like we, we just live it every day. But there is that shift to where you start desiring right things more. And this is where this change starts to happen. It's not because... Like like the living the Christian life and being changed and being transformed, being restored, it isn't some like, okay, I gotta I gotta stop this now. Like it it's a joyful thing. Fantastic Eeyore impression. I know, right? That that was so good. You would know. (laughs) I would know. (laughs) (laughs) But 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 so the, the the point here is this restoration, this change. It's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I think we're tempted to think like, you know, so the, the change, because because our sin seems so desirable at times, we can think that it's a bad thing, but it's really not. Um, you know, who who wouldn't want to be, you know, freed from addiction? Who wouldn't want to be freed from um, poverty? And again, like what Matt said, I'm not saying that necessarily just because you come, all these things are necessarily going to change. But the, the point that I'm trying to make here is that you know, when you come to Christ, the change that does happen, it's a good, it's a positive thing, and it's a joyful thing. Mm-hmm. This isn't some kind of like Eeyore kind of like, okay, now I've come, now I can't listen to rock music, I can't, you know, blah, 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 now my life sucks. Like, um, I literally just quoted a Christian metal band. Did I? <laughs> no, I did. Oh. Right? Yeah, so <laughs> you don't have to give up your rock music. <laughs> But no, you're right. We were made more like Christ, but that's something we enjoy. I mean, it's not that it's not a struggle. Mm-hmm. It's not that it's not, not easy. hard or that it's easy. Um, one one thing that I really like, I don't know if you guys have ever seen it, but the skit guys do a really good video called God's Chisel. And it's basically about that how God starts to chip away about the sin in our lives and the things that um, shouldn't be in our lives. Like, you know, if we have anger problems, mm-hmm. um, greed, lost, mm-hmm. pride right? Um, selfishness, all these things that aren't you know, godly and aren't part of God's original creation, it's starting to be chipped away at our lives. And, you know, that that hurts sometimes mm-hmm. because you have to realize, oh, crap, like I'm being like really angry. I'm being like prideful right now. Like this is the absolute source of what this sin is in my life, mm-hmm. right? This is the thing I struggle with most. And it's not to say you're never going to be prideful again, mm-hmm. but you know God's going to work on you and grow His fruit in you, and that, that that's a that's that's a process. And I mean, too, I just I just want to highlight too biblically what we often see if you if you kind of study what it means to to suffer as a Christian, 
often when God does that kind of chiseling process, like you said, it hurts. I just want to emphasize that's a biblical thing. Like it talks about in Peter, it talks about, I mean, Matt, you were preaching through James, how trials leads you to, um, oh, I can't remember. I'm really terrible at quoting. You're like, a, you're like a, a, a jewel being refined through fire, right? So as, as jewels get refined, uh, the, the impurities, the imperfections are, are fall, they fall away and you come out with this beautiful well, it, diamond. Yeah, like, well, like gold. Gold's a big yeah, one that cool. is used in scripture. And uh, when gold is heated to a certain temperature, the impurities actually rise to the surface. Yep. And then you scrape those off, yep. right? It's mm-hmm. not a fun process. Like if the gold could feel, mm-hmm. it would be like, I don't want to be in this furnace right now, almost being melted. So you can just get some junk out of me. Like, that's not what I want. And this <laughs> but, is why James does say at the very beginning of his letter, he's like, consider it joy when you encounter trials of many kinds. Why? Because your faith is matured. You're like that piece of gold going through the fire. Mm-hmm. You're being refined. The impurities are coming up. It's causing you to run to God. It's it's restoral. It's the res- mm-hmm. restoration process. And it's not meaningless. So one thing sure. I love, I, I ca- often listen to this song. It's called um, Though You Slay Me by Shane and Chain. And it ta- it's kind of like a, a lament, like in the midst of suffering kind of a lyric. Um, but on this cool version that they have on YouTube, they, they put like a little John Piper... Um, sermon excerpt in the middle, and he's speaking from 2 Corinthians 4, you know, when it says, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. Um, For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And I love that, that first part, you know, this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. So, one of the points in as his, he preaches, I definitely recommend you go look up that video because, I mean, Piper will say a lot better than I'm about to say it, but there's there's a purpose. It's not meaningless. Um, and often I think what that purpose is and when we suffer is that we would be refined, that we would be restored, that we would be brought closer to God. I can remember, um, I mean, there's also the purpose, as we've seen in 2 Corinthians, of course, of that there is an eternal weight of glory as well. Um, so there's multiple purposes. It's not meaningless. But I also remember in, in the book, um, Jared Wilson, when he talks about eight lies of, about God that sound like truth, mm-hmm. um, he, he talks in one of those chapters, it's our feelings aren't reality. And he is something he said in that chapter really stuck out to me because he, he talks a lot about suffering and how he's pastored people um, who, are, who are suffering and he's, he's counseled a lot of people and things like that. And, and he said, often a question that I ask people is, through all of this, do you feel like you're closer to God? Or after, at the end of it, do you feel like you've been brought closer mm-hmm. to God? And he said, the answer almost every single time is yes. And he said, is that not a good enough reason for you to go through that? And this is why we preach the gospel. We're not, as, as pastors and church planners, we just don't sit here, we're not like your lifestyle is wrong. You're going to hell because of it. That's not why, like, that's not why we preach the gospel. We preach because we each have tasted and seen the goodness of God, Mm -hmm. the restoration that he has accomplished in our lives. And in countless hundreds, thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of, we haven't seen that personally, but there's testimonies out there of tons of people who have encountered Christ, have been changed, have been resurrected by him spiritually, have been restored uh, mentally, emotionally. They, they just, they've experienced and tasted the goodness of God. And that's why we preach the gospel, right? Because yeah, we, we want to see lives transformed. That's right. Um, by the power of the gospel. That's right. And that, that goes for everyone. But who wouldn't want to see 
you know, someone who is into drugs and come out of that, and not just for rehab, but actually have their life transformed, yep. right? Who people coming off the street and seeing their lives turned around. Mm-hmm. Who wouldn't want to see someone who is just so obsessed with work and money that they neglect their family or the people around them have those values turned right upside on top of themselves and they start to spend time and invest in their family because of what God has done in their lives. And and two, don't don't miss this as well. This isn't just like, oh, how great would it be from our perspective to see how people change? This is also like this is also huge for all of them, right? For the people. So so for the because I mean the, the bottom line is for people, you know, who are dealing with these kinds of things, even even us as Christians, we try and go out into the world and satisfy that longing, that just feeling and, and search for satisfaction for something real in our hearts that everybody has. Mm-hmm. If we're going to be real and honest with each other, we're all searching for, for something to make us happy or we're all looking for something to satisfy us or something just to, to live for, for a purpose, for meaning. Um, and so often we go out into the world and, and people find it in things like alcohol. They find it in things like drugs. They find it, you know, in things like sex. And mm-hmm. Th- mm-hmm. but, but I think if we're being honest, even for us around this table, and and probably for all of you listening, we pursue these things over and over and over again. But how many times? I'm going to say probably every time. Do they actually come up short and don't f- satisfy what we actually want them to satisfy? There's still that feeling of emptiness. There's still that feeling of lacking. There's still that searching. There's still, what am I missing? It's like, but see, out. this is why. Sorry, Matt. Well, okay. so let me finish the thought. But this is why, again, we we are so passionate about the gospel because we believe and know that the only thing that will ever satisfy this longing, this hurt, this 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 emptiness is to know Christ. So this is why we preach. This is why we want people to come to know Jesus because everybody needs him. This isn't just like a, like some kind of a pet. This is like, you know, this is real. This is meaningful. This is what gives you purpose. This is what you were created. You know, you were created to know and be in relationship with God. Um, This is what we're talking about when we talk about being restored. It's, it's huge. Um, And it's so like, once you do it, you know, you, you have things like hope, you have things like joy, you, you have a new purpose, you, your, your life has meaning and, and all these things. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't know where I was going to land that, but I mean, you were just there. Um, <laughs> let, let me land yeah. it like this. Let me, let me try to land it for you. So yeah. As humans, we, we always go to the world to try to satisfy and fill this hole that's in our heart, which ultimately can only be filled by Christ. It's like this. It's like going out and getting McDonald's you really, 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 really want a Big Mac. And you go and get a Big Mac and you eat the Big Mac and it's satisfying. You're like, oh yeah, that was great. But then like 15 minutes later, you're like, mm, I shouldn't have had a Big Mac. But then an hour after that, you're like, man, I could go for a Big Mac. And then you're, it's rinse, wash, repeat. It, it, it's not filling, right? It's not, it's not. It's not sustaining you. You got a pain in the guts, mm-hmm. but then you're like, oh, but it really tasted good. For that moment. For that for that moment. Instead of something that lasts. That's right. Like God, like the gospel. Exactly. All right, guys, that's great. Um, this is a great conversation, actually. I think about restoration, what it looks like, and what the gospel does, and how that how we want to bring that into our neighborhoods, into our communities. Um, hope you enjoyed this. Look forward to next week when we're going to do Scripture Screw Ups three. Um, I think it's gonna be fun. We we like to take some scriptures that people generally mess up or they misinterpret. Uh, so look forward to that next week. 
Thanks again for listening and catch us again next Thursday. You've been listening to Rugged Theology. Rugged Theology is brought to you by Mile One Mission. If you want to know more about Mile One Mission and our work in Newfoundland and Labrador, visit www.mileonemission.ca.